This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Pigeon Roof Studios. Visit the shop online at www.pigeonroofstudios.etsy.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 52. Thanks for joining me back. I have a great episode in store for you today, but first I'd like to start off, as always, by announcing the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment on my blog under the drawing blog post was entered to win the brand new copy of Susan B. Anderson's new book, Spud and Chloe at the Farm, along with a special Spud and Chloe-themed prize. I chose a commenter at random, using the online random number generator, and I'm so happy to announce that the winner is... Dez, or Fiber and Feathers, on Ravelry. Congratulations! So Dez, when you hear this, please email me right away to claim your prize, and so that I can get your shipping address and get this sent on out to you. For everyone else who entered the drawing and didn't win, no worries. I'll be announcing another great drawing for you to enter later on in this episode. Thank you to everyone who participated. So, it seems that in this episode, I'm still playing catch-up. As you know, I was gone for a few months on a podcast break, and so much seemed to happen during that time that it's taking me a couple of episodes just to catch everyone up on the latest news. For example, while on break, I released four new patterns. Although that sounds really impressive, it's kind of not, because each of these patterns is really small. If you follow my blog, you'll know that I released a series of children's headband patterns. As you know, I have a five-year-old daughter, and it was very early on that I became obsessed with the idea of knitted headbands. I used to work in a yarn shop, and I remember when this yarn, Cascade Fixation, came in stock. It is this stretchy, elasticized cotton, and that's what started the whole headband thing for me. I knit up these simple garter stitch bands and sewed on knitted flowers and leaves. Such a simple concept, but it was so cute. I posted the pictures on Ravelry, and I displayed the bands at the shop, and they received constant comments. So many people wanted to know how I made these headbands. I thought to myself then, I really should design my own patterns for these. And then, a mere two to three years later, I finally did. And yeah, that's really kind of lame when you think about it. From a design perspective, headbands are pretty straightforward. I don't know why it took me so long. So anyways, I came up with four little headbands that I thought would be perfectly themed for spring and summer. There's a bird headband, a bee headband, and two flower headbands, a violet and a rosebud headband. Now you might remember me mentioning the rosebud headband in the last season because I pre-released that one through Knit Circus Magazine before I added it to my own pattern line. 
Unlike my original prototypes that I experimented with a few years back, these headbands are not knit out of cascade fixation. Now, it's a great stretchy cotton and a perfect application for this type of project, but I knew it wouldn't be a yarn that just everyone had in their stash. But what I do know is that if your stash is anything like mine, which frankly, I kind of hope that for your sake it's not because it's terribly overwhelming, I know that you most likely have tiny little remnants of sock yarn lying around in various drawers. And you probably have no idea what to do with them, but you keep them anyway. I think most of us have those little leftover balls in our stashes. They're either from one skein shawls or pairs of socks. In my experience, those projects never tend to use up the entire skein, and I always have little balls of sock weight yarn left over. So here you go. If you have a little girl in your life, this is the perfect way to use up some of those leftovers. And it's interesting because I didn't realize this until I started swatching, but plain old sock yarn knit up in garter stitch is perfectly stretchy enough for a headband. I thought originally that you would have to use an elastic yarn, but no, these stay on just fine. My daughter has worn the headbands all day with no slippage or problems. These little headbands were really fun for me to design, and I really hope that you have a fun time knitting them up. They're a small, super quick project using up leftovers. Plus, it's something you can make for your little one to wear in the summer. They look so cute paired with a little sleeveless dress. But if that's not enough to convince you, I also did something really special with the patterns themselves. Since these are small little designs, I wanted to add a little something extra and fun. I'm all for getting children involved in knitting, and you probably heard me talking about that in the last episode with Susan B. Anderson when we were talking about her latest book. I wanted to make the headband patterns interactive and to offer something that would not only be fun for the knitter, but also for the headband recipient. So with the help of my awesomely talented graphic designer, I included games in the patterns, little hidden picture games that your little one can play while you're knitting the headbands, kind of like something you would find in Highlights magazine for children. Additionally, the printed version pairs two headband patterns together in a very unique way. Have you ever seen those children books where there's a story on one side going one way, but you can flip the book over and then there's another cover with another story going the opposite direction? No? Yeah, well, that's what I thought because that's what everyone says. But I've seen these books. I know they exist. And these printed patterns follow the same model. For example, you can pick up the bird headband pattern, flip it over, and there will be the bee headband pattern too. Two patterns in one. Same with the roses and violets pattern. They're the first flip and turn patterns of their kind. It's just a different form of packaging that I think makes these extra fun. If I've completely confused you, don't worry. It's not the first time it has happened. I'll provide a link in the show notes to a tutorial that my daughter helped me put together to show how the patterns work. 
You should have heard me trying to explain this concept to my parents over the phone before I actually executed it with the graphic designer. Fifteen minutes into the conversation, I knew that although the concept was perfectly clear in my mind, it wasn't ever going to be in theirs. It's just something that you have to see to understand, I guess. It's kind of hard to explain, but I think it's really cool. If you like the idea of the flip and turn pattern, remember that that's only part of my printed pattern line available in yarn shops. The headband pattern PDFs you can purchase on my blog still have the games, but they aren't put together the same way as the professionally printed counterparts. So if you'd like to see the printed patterns in person, talk to your shop owner and have them contact me. So those are the patterns I released during my break, and I wish I had tons of other knitting projects to update you on, but as you know from the last episode, I had to take a little break from my projects for a while. As I already mentioned, we're having a new baby this fall, a little boy, we found out, so that's really exciting. I remember that when I was pregnant with my daughter, knitting was not my job yet. I taught a few knitting classes, but I had all kinds of time to sit around and knit things for her. This time around, it's a completely different story. Not only did I spend the first few months completely ill and unable to knit, but I have this collection of knits I've committed to, not to mention that Never Not Knitting is my full-time job now. As much as I would love to knit sweet little baby items for our little boy, I feel like I can't. I'm just so busy. And I feel such twinges of sadness when people say, Oh, you're pregnant. You must be knitting so many cute baby things. I'm thinking, I wish I could say yes to that, but I can't. So during a day of feeling really bad about it, I did decide to cast on for a pair of Sarge's booties, which is a really quick, tiny project. And it's this super adorable, wildly popular baby booty pattern that's available for free on Ravelry. This pattern calls for sock yarn, and it comes in two sizes. Doll size and three-month premature baby size. Okay, I'm kidding, but kind of, though. I don't know if it's just me, but I am skeptical that these booties actually fit real, live human babies. I knit one first in the smallest size, and then promptly ripped it out. It was so tiny. I thought, well, there is just no way here. This is not going to work. So I tried again. The next booty that I knit was in the larger size, and I really loosened up my gauge this time. It is still so small. And I don't even know if I should be making a second one. It might just be best if I start over in a sport weight yarn and larger needles. I just don't know. Do any of you know? Do these booties knit in a fingering weight yarn actually fit a baby? Desperate, I went on Ravelry searching for answers. And lo and behold, there are over 10,000 projects listed of these booties. Isn't that crazy? This pattern is so popular, 
And I can see why. I mean, it's absolutely adorable. But I can't help but wonder if 10,000 knitters just made adorable miniature baby booties as baby shark gifts that are completely unusable. Yeah, I didn't have time to look through all 10,000 projects, but I did look through the first seven pages of pictures, desperate to see these tiny booties modeled by a newborn. But I just found pictures of the booties themselves posed on tables, and any modeled pictures I found were of the booties knit in thicker yarns. Aha, a clue. So that seems a little suspicious, don't you think? And the other funny thing is that one of the model pictures I found was actually the booties being modeled by a doll. So obviously that knitter must have foregone the three month premature baby size and knit the larger doll size for her booties. As cute as these are, I am just thinking that a fingering weight yarn just makes them work out to be too small. But I could be wrong. I mean, I'm probably biased. After all, my only experience thus far with a newborn was with my ginormous 9-pound, 10-ounce baby daughter. And I'm sure that these tiny shoes would have never fit her. So basically, I just need an average-sized newborn around to try these booties on so that I can get the answers I'm looking for. What I wanted to tell you about this miniature project though was that it gave me an opportunity to try out my new square needles from collage. After hearing about them for such a long time I was thrilled when a lady from the collage booth gave me a set at the Stitches West convention in February. And I must say I quite like these needles. I thought that they would be weird but it turns out they're not weird at all. Found them to be very comfortable to knit with. The texture was nice and slippery, and they were also really lightweight. So if you haven't tried them yet, I definitely suggest you do. I really like them, and I'll be using them again for future projects. So besides spending my time playing with square needles and contemplating the tininess of these baby shoes, I've also been steadily working on that collection of knits that will be released around the end of the year, hopefully. Things are really coming together, I'm super excited about it, and I really look forward to the time when I can tell you all the info behind the project, because I think it's really exciting. So far, I have one piece completely done, one almost done, one designed and ready for me to start, and two still in the swatching stages. So I'm definitely making progress, slowly but surely. Lately, it's just been a matter of finding the right yarns to go with different ideas. Currently, I'm obsessed with hand-dyed yarns, and I think that pretty much every project in this collection will be using them. I'm working all the time trying to find applications for some of my favorite blends and colorways which leads me to tell you about a particular skein. If you listen to my Stitches recap episode, you'll know that on the very last day when the show was over, I was able to escape. My booth, that is. For a very, very short time. <laughs> and I was actually able, you know, to walk around the show a little bit. 
And one of the booths I got to check out was Pigeon Roost Studios. I got an opportunity to chat with the dyer, Krista, for a little bit. And while I was there talking to her, I found myself completely distracted by the skein of yarn lying on her table. And that's saying a lot. I've seen a lot of hand-dyed yarns in my day. And I love them. I mean, I've worked with so many different brands. And I've talked all about all my favorites on the podcast before. And the other thing is that there is tons of hand-dyed yarn at Stitches. So it's kind of amazing that amidst a sea of gorgeous hand-dyed yarn, something actually caught my attention. This skein in particular seriously drew me in. It just had my name written all over it. It was her Cassiopeia DK yarn in the Juniper colorway, which has these amazing blended shades of green with hints of blue and gold. And to top it all off, right next to it, she had a sample of the Goodale sweater knit in this particular yarn and colorway. And it was just amazing. I really like that pattern, so of course that just made everything even more appealing to me. Krista must have noticed that yarn crazed look in my eye while we were talking because she ended up just giving me that skein, which was super nice of her. Anyways, since the show, I have spent some quality time with this skein. I have swatched and swatched and thoroughly enjoyed the experience of this yarn, so I'm planning on using it for one of my design pieces for the collection. Cassiopeia is an unbelievable blend of merino, cashmere, and silk. It's incredibly soft and wonderful, and the silk gives that slight sheen which I love so much in a yarn. I'm just imagining how great it'll be to knit an entire sweater from it. I cannot wait. I've heard a lot about Pigeon Roof Studios in the past on other podcasts and around the internet, and it's a really great company. Krista's yarns are truly amazing. In getting to know her a little bit more since this show, I found out that Krista is a full-time dyer whose background is in printmaking, which I found interesting. She said that she was the head printer for a letterpress printing company, and she had to mix ink colors to perfectly match color chips that the clients selected. So that's how she learned all about how colors work together. So I, I thought that that was kind of interesting, and it shows why she has such a good color sense and why her yarns are so popular. She offers many variety of fiber blends in both the yarns and fibers that she sells on Etsy, and tons of gorgeous colorways. In the show notes, I'll be linking to her Etsy store and also to her Flickr accounts, where you can see these colorways for yourself. When I find a product or company that I think is really special, I really enjoy being able to share it with you listening. Krista was kind enough to sponsor this episode's drawing giveaway, so now you have the opportunity to win five lovely skeins of Pigeon Roof Studios yarn. These yarns in the giveaway are gorgeous. And she even included a skein in the Juniper colorway, my favorite. As always, I'll be posting pictures and all of the drawing details on my blog within the next few days. So be sure to stop by so you can enter to win this. Additionally, Krista has offered a special discount just for the Never Not Knitting listeners to use and to try out some of her yarns. 
you can receive 10% off all purchases made through the Pigeon Roof Studios Etsy shop through June 30th by entering the special code NEVERNOT11 in the checkout process. And guess what else? There's free shipping within the U.S. and all international customers pay a flat rate shipping no matter how many items are purchased. So I thought that was really cool too. So please check out Pigeon Roof Studios on Etsy at www.pigeonroofstudios.etsy.com and see what she has to offer. You won't be disappointed. For this episode, Krista from Pigeon Roof Studios was nice enough to contribute a knitting story of her very own to the podcast. I'm very pleased to share her story, entitled, Nesting Instincts. Although not all knitters have cats, it's quite astonishing how many of them do. Why, I wonder. I suspect it's partly because cats are such tactile creatures. Put them next to anything soft and wooly, and they instinctively choose it as their new favorite spot. The odds of this happening increase dramatically when the soft and wooly item is your newly finished garment, knit from extremely expensive and precious yarn, and is blocking. 90% of the time, this garment will be the exact opposite color of one's cat fur. It's a new way of creating the tweedy look. I've had three cats, two still living, and all of them have had a strange and passionate connection to my knitting and spinning addiction. Calypso, who passed away about a year ago, was quite old, so her interest in my knitting and spinning stash was not quite so uh, active as my other two cats. Nevertheless, her favorite spot to sit would inevitably be on my lap while I was at my spinning wheel. The up and down motion of my knees didn't seem to bother her, nor, strangely enough, did it bother her when, inevitably, I ended up plying her into the yarn. Atticus, on the other hand, was a different story. He came into my life as a furry kitten, right around the time I really started knitting and spinning in earnest. Of course, anything that can be hind-kicked or is dangling is irresistible to a kitten, but Atticus took it to a whole other level. Until I got smart, every time I would come home from work or from my boyfriend's house, I would walk into the door and immediately become tangled in a spider web of yarn. Yarn wound around the couch, the heater, the table, around the stove and the kitchen. He could have gone up against a spider in one. Nor did he pick just any yarn. No, indeed. He preferred very expensive, very precious yarns, like the kid silk haze or the habu. Yarns that, once tangled in such a way, are non-salvageable. He also liked to eat yarn which could result in unattractive surprises if one stepped incautiously while on the way to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Studio, my third cat, and, well, my studio cat and mascot, did not come into my life as a kitten, but as a formerly abandoned cat needing a loving home. While she neither spins webs with expensive yarn, nor appreciates her fur being plied into the current yarn on the wheel, her attraction to fiber is nevertheless a passionate and devoted one. She is a nester and a kneader. Leave a pile of yarn or spinning fiber abandoned for just one moment, 
and the next time you look, she will be energetically kneading it with her paws, purring and looking slightly cross-eyed in bliss. I've learned never to put yarn or fiber on the floor, even if just for a moment. The one time I let her go at it, I figured, well, it's fiber I'm spinning for myself, not for sale. What could be the harm? Well, let's just say that if I ever take up needle felting, I won't need to buy any special supplies. I'll just let Studio go at it. Well, at times I've been exasperated, annoyed, and amused at my cats and their relationship to fiber, the overwhelming feeling is empathy. They're not so different from us human knitters and spinners. After all, aren't we making our own kind of webs and taking delight in wrapping ourselves in wooly items of our own making? In our own way, we too are kneading our fiber in cross-eyed delight. Thank you again, Krista, for sharing your story with us. I hope that you listening enjoyed getting to know Krista a bit more in this episode. And if while listening you thought of a good knitting story that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, please email me. I'd love to hear from you. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode are found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, that's about it for episode 52. Thank you for joining me today, and be sure to join me back for episode 53 on July 1st. Seriously, I have a very special episode planned, and I'm not going to tell you all that I have in store or anything, but I'll give you a little one-word hint. Yasolda. That's right. Don't miss it. I'll see you next time. She won't even do the dishes The house plants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair if it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Stop rubbing again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching 
and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.